you desire to attend Bible college or seminary, but know that it would be incredibly difficult to uproot your family and move somewhere? Maybe you desire to attend seminary, but you don't want to leave your local congregation. Let me tell you about my seminary, Whitfield Theological Seminary. Whitfield is a conservative, confessional, classical, reformed seminary who wants to come alongside congregations and assist them in raising up a pastor. The training of a minister should be done alongside of a congregation. Whitfield offers online classes so that you can fulfill your calling without having to move your family or abandon your church. Go check them out at www.reformed.info. That is www.reformed.info. Tell them you heard about them on The Daily Brew. We at The Daily Brew take the Bible and the study of it very seriously. Have you ever wondered where we or our special guests go when we want to dive into God's Word more deeply? We go to Logos, the best Bible software available. From in-depth word studies in the original languages to commentaries from scholars, both new and old. There are lexicons and grammars and sermons and collected works of heroes of the faith. And even ancient texts for the serious Bible students. Never before has so many great tools been bundled together into one software. To learn more about this incredible ministry, call 888-390-7341. That's 888-390-7341. While you're there, go ahead and tell them that you heard about this incredible software on The Daily Brew. Listen up, Daily Brew subscribers and listeners. I want to tell you about our newest partner, Audio Blocks and Video Blocks. They're an incredible resource if you're looking for background footage, background audio. We use them for all our video and audio uh, needs. If you're needing background clips, if you're needing short footage for any video that you're making for your business or your church, or just looking for background noises for putting something together, they have everything you need, a huge selection. You have to go check them out. Go check them out at audioblocks.com or videoblocks.com. Are you looking for something fun to do on these hot summer days? Are you looking for something fun for the whole family? Go check out Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies. This has been rated the number one aquarium in the country. If you're looking to waddle with the penguins or sleep with the sharks, this is the place for you. For an up-close view, check out their glass-bottom boat. Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies has something for the whole family. For more information, go to ripleyaquariums.com. You are busy. You are always on the go. But are you making time for you? The Y is dedicated to helping you stay active, live better, and find the best possible version of you. From basketball courts to functional training space, indoor pools, and yoga studios, the best of Knoxville is right in your backyard. Group classes and personal trainers that will challenge and encourage you. The Y has something for everyone. Join the Y and get unlimited access to all five locations. From the heart of downtown Knoxville to Farragut and Halls, all with no contracts. For a better us.
This is The Daily Brew. Charles and Susan Spurgeon's uh, marriage. Ray, thank you so much for taking time to do the show. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me on today. Well, one of the first questions is, why do you think it's important to write a book on Susie Spurgeon? Why did you think that was a, a good time, or why do you think she was a good figure to to write about? Yeah, well, her husband, of course, is, uh, is known the world over still, but uh, when he was alive and soon after his death, uh, he was a subject of great interest. In fact, one of the most prominent figures in all of the uh, 19th century, uh, not only in England, but around the world. And when he died, a, a new biography came out once, one a month for two years, 24 biographies in, in, <laughs> in two years, which is astounding. And they've continued, not at that rate, of course, but uh, no one had ever written a full biography of Susanna Spurgeon. A small biography came out in 1903, and uh, that's about it. Uh, other than some articles here and there, there's, there just wasn't a lot out there on Susanna Spurgeon. And I thought, well, uh, through the providence of God and a variety of circumstances, uh, this is a woman that should be looked at. I mean, Charles Spurgeon is one of the most prominent Christians in all of Christian history. And certainly, we, if we want to know about him, we should want to know about the uh, lady he shared his life with. And uh, then just discovering her became increasingly fascinated, and Moody Publishers were exci- was excited about the project, and, uh, and I'm, my interest is growing. So I've not lost any interest in Susanna Spurgeon, but I'm finding even new things today. That is amazing. The next question I wanted to ask, uh, just piggybacking, uh, or piggybacking on that, is a lot of people know about Charles' ministry, all the things he did, whether it be in preaching, running an orphanage, um, several things like that. But a lot of people don't know about his marriage. Um, could you tell us a little bit of what it would have been like to have been married to Charles Spurgeon? Yeah, well, I think Susie didn't really know what she was getting into either. Uh, of course, they uh, they fell in love in the summer of 1854, uh, and they were engaged in August of 1854. They they I guess they met the first time in early 1854. She saw him. Uh, in late 1853, I uh, heard him preach at her church, but I don't know that they met until a bit later. Uh, she she uh, was uh, not impressed with him, uh, but nevertheless, long story short, within a few months, they're in love and engaged uh, to get married. So uh, they uh, so she didn't really know what she was getting into, and she said, uh, uh, in in some sense, it was a blessing that the Lord uh, you know protected her from knowing the future. As, uh, I think that's that's the case for all of us. Is the Lord kind of hangs a curtain between today and tomorrow, or we wouldn't be able to quite face what's coming, uh, good and bad, our way. Uh, she didn't she didn't know what kind of uh, the fullness of his greatness, and then she began to figure it out though pretty early on in their relationship, as she saw the crowds and the attention he was getting and the demands for his time and. And uh, really, their date nights were spent, um, him going over to her home on a Monday night, editing his Sunday sermons for publication. And she would sit quietly by him, or he'd have her read something to him or help him in some way. 
but that was their uh, <laughs> that was primarily their early date nights uh, and, and a few other things as well. So she didn't know uh, exactly what she was getting into, but what she got into was uh, the man who became uh, the most famous preacher of that uh, of the Victorian era. Uh, not only in England, but around the world, pastoring the largest church in the world, uh, authoring 135 books or so, uh, ultimately uh, 63 volumes of sermons that we have collected now. Uh, just one of those prolific authors in English history, uh, as well as the church, as well as his itinerant ministry, as well as editing a magazine, uh, managing 60 institutions connected to the church. So, uh, And she married a man that would be away from home a lot. Uh, both for ministry reasons and later for health reasons. So they were separated a lot, especially after 1868 when Susie herself became ill and she could no longer travel with him at all. So uh, it was a lonely life in many ways, but the one she accepted. Mm. Amen. Um, Now, a lot of people, uh, adding to that, so a lot of people know, you mentioned all the ministries that Charles Spurgeon did. He had you know, several ministries he was involved in, or numerous ministries which he was involved in, and then uh, even stayed in the think in his biography, he was home by 6 p.m. every single night. So um, it's just incredible how he accomplished everything that he did uh, in the time frame that he did. But a lot of people don't know about Susie's ministries. What are, what are some of the things that she was involved in? I know you said she was ill at home for a period of time, but what are some of the things that she did ministerially-wise, obviously serving her and helping her husband's uh, incredible task, but I know she was involved in some other things as well. Could you tell us about this? Yeah, yeah. Well, initially, the first years of the marriage, they, uh, they married in January of 1856, and from then until 1867-ish, uh, she attended his ministry at the church. She uh, uh, helped the, baptismal, the lady baptismal candidates counsel them. Even after she died, many of them shared their testimony of how much she administered to them. So she was involved with him. She traveled with him. Uh, all across Europe uh, to various preaching engagements and also vacations. Uh, so when she became uh, really ill in 1867, 1868, 1869, Spurgeon has, had just completed volume one of his lectures to my students, and he asked her to read it uh, before it was uh, sent off to the publisher for his final, uh, final getting ready there for publication. And she was so excited about that book, she said, I wish we could give a copy of this to every pastor in, in England. And Charles said, well, Susie, why don't you make that happen? And uh, like many of us, Susie uh, imagined someone ought to do something about that, but she didn't imagine that she was the one. Until Charles challenged her, she took the challenge. And by the grace of God, that began Mrs. Spurgeon's book fund. And before she died in 1903, uh, she had oversaw, given oversight to 200,000 books uh, leaving her home and finding their way to the home of poor pastors and missionaries uh, around the world. Uh, and not only that, she cared, uh, cared for their families as best she could. She was in clothing items at times, stationery. Many pastors were just dirt, dirt poor. And Susie's heart was broken over that, and she felt that if she could help relieve the pastor's burdens, that he would be a better pastor, better husband, better father, and the gospel would spread further. So uh, these pastors, uh, for example, uh, they couldn't buy any books because they had children that needed food and needed clothing and a wife that was suffering and uh, because of so few funds. So they, they wouldn't dare consider buying a new book. And some of them had not received a book of any sort in years. 
And so they were trying to pasture with no resources, really, or very few. And so that was her passion, really. And it was a lot larger than even just the pastor. It was uh, through him to get the gospel out more faithfully to the to the world. So she did that. She uh, Before she died, she wrote five standalone books, too, that were sort of uh, autobiographical of herself and her ministry with the book fund. It includes a lot of pictures of her life with Spurgeon as well. And then three devotional books she co-edited and contributed to the massive four-volume autobiography of Charles Spurgeon that uh, was first published, 18, the first volume, I think, 1897, and those continued to, through 1900. Uh, she planted a church after Charles died in 1892. Uh, she edited The Sword and Trial for a number of years. And you got to remember, this is a sickly woman. Uh, this is a, mm-hmm. an invalid. The Lord gave her some strength. Uh, towards the uh, time of his death that he, she had not had in many years, so she was able to do more things, but then she would also suffer for great periods of time again. She helped rebuild the Metropolitan Tabernacle when it burned in the 1890s as well, and uh, she uh, you know, went out for the uh, part of the day and helped raise money uh, against her doctor's counsel and was sickly after that, but was really uh, did much on her own to help rebuild the tabernacle and support her her son's ministry there. So, I mean, we could go on and on. Uh, it's just amazing how an invalid woman uh, did so much, and then she did so much even after she was a widow. So an invalid uh, widow <laughs> woman uh, that served God so faithfully. So she's very much like Charles in that respect. Uh, he, too, was sickly, accomplished so much, and he challenged her uh, really from the beginning of their marriage to be engaged and not just be passive in ministry. Do everything you can with the energy that you have that God has provided you in the time that he has. Uh, yet he would also veto her work from time to time when he felt like she was overdoing it. So he would pull her back and try to protect her from uh, from that as well. I think what's interesting about it all is you'd almost think uh, Spurgeon's life or Charles's life was uh, incredibly busy, but then you hear about Susie's. And it's just as busy. Like she's just as uh, as involved in ministry, doing as much as he is doing. Like uh, they both don't seem to be human for how much they actually were able to accomplish within their lives. It's almost like a robot, and uh, how much they get done. So, incredible story about their both of their ministries. So, amen. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. And she did so much alone. And and so in that sense, there we can't become them. I mean, just. I consider one week of Spurgeon's work, and I'm not sure I could accomplish it in a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I can't become, uh, we can't become those two folks, but we can certainly learn from their example. God gave them unique gifts, as he does us, and circumstances and all the rest that, that helped to make them the people that they were that we honor today. And uh, if I could just say this, Adam, uh, I, I was thinking about this yesterday with my wife as we were driving home from a speaking engagement that... Uh, the sacrifice that Susie Spurgeon made was so significant uh, that it freed Charles Spurgeon up to become the man that we honor today. And, and she determined early in their relationship, before she ever got sick, that she would never do anything to hinder him from his public uh, ministry, from his uh, ministry at all. Now, she didn't have to make an, uh, not you know that sort of uh, sacrifice may not be called upon by all pastor's wives, but that was her uh, circumstance. Even her sickness, she would do nothing to keep him at home. Uh, she knew he would make sure she was cared for. So she encouraged and sent him out. And she it cost her a lot. It really did. Uh, I don't think that that story has been told. I'm going to tell it more in the next book, I think. The sacrifice that she made gave us the Charles Spurgeon that we have. 
And uh, so she te- she sacrificed uh, her temporal life on the earth for the benefit of generations uh, to come. And it's just amazing to me the, the investment that she made in my life through uh, freeing up her husband. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. So we always try to toss in one or two fun questions uh, about uh, the people we're interviewing. So uh, whenever you are not riding, what do you do for fun? Uh, what, what I do for fun? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. I talk to you on the. I talk to you and others on the phone. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, both my wife and uh, and some folks at my church are telling me I've got to uh, find more ways to have more fun uh, from time to time. <laughs> I guess uh, very busy uh, season in my life uh, with the church and with pastoring a church, with writing and uh, speaking engagements, and uh, so that we consider all of that a blessing of the Lord. But just trying to discern how to manage that. But uh, I enjoy finding a night here and there when possible. My, my wife and I preached out of town this week. She was able to go with me, and, and we had a little bit of free time uh, built into that. So we just like being together. If it's walking through town or <laughs> or uh, we had a popsicle one night. It was like this, one of the most fun times we had. It was a little popsicle shop in this town we were in, and we sat there and ate, ate a popsicle and so it doesn't take a lot uh, for us. We just enjoy being together. I enjoy uh, outings with my children uh, that are, as they get older, fewer and far between. Far between. Uh, I've, I, I used to run a lot, uh, exercise. Uh, I've gotten out of shape writing a book, so I'm trying to make a comeback <laughs> in, uh, in running. But uh, really simple things, just uh, some time with my wife and children, uh, pulling away for a bit with them. But I've got to do a better job of that. Folks have been rebuking me. <laughs> <laughs> for uh, not doing that enough lately. Yeah, those are good friends. <laughs> yes, they are. They are. A- a- amen. And then I have to ask, uh, how long did it take you? I saw recently online, I saw a picture of your library. How long did it take you to, to build a library? I'm kind of jealous, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, and that and what's, what's interesting about that library, too, is most, I would say most of my books, or many of those books, were not bought in a, uh, bought new. Uh, I've got stories with friends uh, digging through uh, flea markets, digging through antique shops, uh, you know, <laughs> Goodwill type stores, finding treasures, library sales, uh, just anywhere I could, yeah, I could. And even today, uh, I mean, I buy books on eBay and A books and uh, you know, thrift books, and it's amazing. Sometimes you can find great deals, and it's just been a few books along over the years. Uh, when I went to seminary, uh, Adam, you might not believe this. I went to uh, seminary the first time in uh, 1985, and I went to seminary with a King James Bible and a one volume Matthew Henry commentary, and that was my theological library. I didn't know. I didn't have any idea that all these books were out there, uh, on, uh, books about the Bible and uh, all this church history and biography. I had no idea. So I was really uh, green and uh, <laughs> a rookie in every sense of the word. And uh, But I was equipped. I had my Bible and my Matthew Henry, and uh, those aren't those are good, two great resources. But over time, I started learning about books, loving books, and buying books. And uh, And folks would give me books from time to time as well. And yeah. uh, in the last few years, I've been trying to find really, really, really old uh, editions of Spurgeon and uh, Charles and Susanna books, too. So that's sort of a hobby now to keep my eyes open for that stuff. I found, uh, speaking of that, I went to a bookstore from on the way to seminary from Knoxville. So on the way to Louisville from Knoxville, and there used to be a used bookstore there. And uh, it was claimed it says it was the largest uh, used bookstore in the South. So I went in there, and what happened was, 
a former pastor willed all his books to this bookstore. It was a used Christian bookstore. And I went in there and found, uh, so I was going through all these old books they had and found uh, the, uh, it's either two, it's, yes, two volumes, um, Spurgeon Sermons on Miracles. Um, so Spurgeon Sermons on Miracles, it's a two-volume series. Anyway, it was a, a first edition, and they were selling it for $10. So as soon as I saw that, I was grabbing it. I was like, you guys don't realize what you have here. <laughs> um, so um happened to get uh, a hold of those, which I was uh, really excited about. Uh, looked very old, and I saw Spurgeon. I said, i got to get those. So um, I, I love uh, old books, and I love libraries. So amen. Well, Ray, it has been a joy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule um, and away from your family to join us. Yeah, well, thank you, Adam, and uh, appreciate your ministry at your church and also your podcast. Uh, you're doing great work, and and getting other than me, some great guests on your show too. So. <laughs> Amen. It, it's been a blast.